so book i had the pleasure of, of taking a quick look through your book and um to, tell me what first off made you want made you want to tell your story uh in this form And it's funny too because you know you see a lot of books come from the wrestling industry, and some of it was—I'm not going to name uh, books that came out that—but I thought some of it was very watered down. It was partial truth, and you really didn't get a feel for it. This one made you feel like you know we're getting this—the story from your mouth, not a second hand from somebody else, which which is a which is a, a breath of fresh air in the sports and uh, media industry. Did you find it difficult to talk, to go back in time to talk about the drug use and your time in prison? Did you find it difficult to go back and really want to talk about that? important was your brother in the process of growing up and um, you know making it through
his only advice was, you know, he was willing to help me out, but um, he was going to help me get a job. And his only advice was, you know, no matter what the job was, whether it was, you know, digging ditches, you know, uh, you know, washing dishes, you know, whatever it was, he said, just do the job to the best of your ability to something else come along. That's the only thing that I ask. You know, and don't make me look bad. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, and, and I took that advice. You know what I mean? I took it, and, uh, and to something else better came along, and something better did come along. You know, it, it wasn't wrestling. I just happened to, you know, been working for some good people. Um, and, and then after that, you know, my brother, you know, my brother was the one that was introduced to the wrestling game. You know, and I was just following him, and um, I actually um, ended up where I am today. You know, so my brother became very instrumental after. You know, they show a lot of TV movies and a lot of different television shows about life in prison. Can you tell us the difference between what we see on television and what the truth is? Um, honestly, um, what you see on television, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, it really is, um, according to, especially according to um, what states you're in. Uh, you know, um, it has a whole lot to do with it. Um, here in Texas, you know, Texas Department of Corrections, there's no for uh, um, being a pretty hard um, uh, place to do your time uh, it's from certain aspects um, uh, of course there's uh, there's gang violence um, and there um, riots break out um, you got you know, got your you got your cliques over here you, you know your white guys over here your black guys over here um, watching the television you know you got to watch this certain um, times of the day because um, everything is you know structured to where you know it, it can, you know try to keep the peace but uh, it, it, it's it's, a, it's no different almost than being on the outside um, from a certain um, aspect and um, if you um, go in there and, and, and look at it from that perspective like you know like I did um, I always looked at myself as I put myself there and it was it was up to me to um, you know um, go through it get through it and, and move forward from it but first and foremost accept my responsibility uh, but um, it, it's, it's a lot like being on the outside other than you just you know don't have your freedom um what advice do you give to you know children who are orphans who lost their parents at an early age or never even met their parents who who are who growing up in a, in a home? What advice do you give to those to those children who who watch you uh, you know every week? You know, first and foremost, um, if I could do it, you know anybody can do it. You know, I always my father. I lost my father when I was ten months old. Um, I lost my mother when I was thirteen years old. I never blame you know losing my parents for my downfalls. Um, that's that's one of the biggest things um, kids uh, seem to do. Um, if something happened and they they, they look to blame somebody, they even blame God. You know that's the one thing that you can't do. Don't blame anybody. Just um, man up, step up, try to do the right thing. Try to be try to be true to yourself first and foremost. Um, um, having mentors um, in your life it is very very important. Trying to gravitate to that that right mentor. Um, not being a follower um, is very very important. Uh, peer pressure. Don't fall under under, under that thumb of peer pressure. Want to um, be like a buddy or something like that. Be a leader. Um, is what I tell young people. Um, first and foremost, don't be a follower. Be a leader in this lifetime. Uh, that's the only way you're going to find the, the right path uh, to success. Are you surprised on how times have changed? On how society is sort of, you know, has every situation sort of covered? Like you're talking about, um, you know, leadership and uh, and have good mentors. Uh, the types of programs they run with after school programs and different programs. Are you surprised on how 
uh, how we have sort of grown uh, as in a, as a country to a society where we we prepare we're prepared to take care of almost any type of situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Uh, I mean, we have grown a lot, you know, but in, in a sense, we we haven't, you know, um, in so many different ways. You know, uh, I was working with um, Triple Threat um, just a few weeks ago um, in, in Chicago, um, and let's see the. Uh, the struggles that these young kids have to go through there in that city, um, the, the landmines they have to dodge, you know, um, the, the traps they have to, you know, try to evade. Um, There's so many ways to get caught up. I'm um, in that city. I actually talked to kids who say they would rather be in jail um, than be on the street, you know. So it's really, really hard out there for young people, and they really don't have a lot of time to really um, know which ways to turn. And if um, if if, it, if it's not you know, you know, people like myself uh, going out there and going to them and letting them see that a uh, person like myself, such as them, can make it up out of there. It's really hard for them to, to see light at the end of the tunnel. So I just think we as uh, people got to do, um, we do a lot, but I think we got to do a whole, whole lot more. Oh, I agree with you on that. Um, talk about when you've, you know, you finally made it with, with wrestling. Um, was it almost sort of like a dream? Like you sort of couldn't believe that you know, after everything you had been through, you're like you're you're, you're on the stage where you're on national television and you're you know you made it. Like, can you t- you talk about how the transition was from you know, like you said, when you got out and you know you and your brother got into wrestling? Can you talk about that transition from sort of being in the regular world into the wacky world of what we know as pro wrestling? Well, wrestling for me was just it was a hobby. Uh, it wasn't something I thought about doing. Uh, you know, as a, as a career to make money or anything like that, which is a hobby. I'm always doing something different than being in the neighborhood with all of my buddies, um, doing nothing on the corners, you know, um, drinking and smoking, um, just having uh, no direction. Um, wrestling uh, was a place, a safe haven. It gave me structure. Um, I got a chance to have camaraderies with people and uh, see people from a totally different light. People that wasn't the same color as I, I was, didn't grow up in the same area, uh, same ways that I did. So, uh, you know, the first place I got a chance to go to was Japan. I had never been on a flight before. I had never been out of the state of Texas, you know, and um, next thing you know, I'm in, in Tokyo, Japan, you know, getting a chance to see how, uh, you know, life, you know, was over there. You know, I mean, the people were so friendly. I mean, so many uh, millions of people, but it seemed, you know, I didn't see uh, a piece of uh, paper on the ground, you know, it was such a different way of life. And it was, it was an education for me, but when I um, started wrestling, it was it was like man, um, I knew I had found something that I was good at, and I was going to hold on to it, you know, as long as I possibly could. That's the that's the, that was my mindset. It wasn't a uh, man. I'm a star. Um, you know, I'm on television. Um, I'm making all of this money or anything like that. It was just man, I had found something that I enjoyed so much, and um, I wasn't going to let it go for anything. Well, I, you know, I did some reading up on you, and also I, I learned that you, you you were involved with music when you were younger. Yeah. And you were the drum major of your of your high school. Uh, what what other instruments did you play? I played the uh, trombone, um, the tuba, played the baritone, uh, as well as I was the drum major. You know, so I was um, I was pretty uh, active as far as band go. Um, I think that was you know it's always been you know a place that I can go to that I felt really really safe as far as music I'm a music connoisseur I like all kind of kinds of music from country to pop to rock to to, to um, you know um, you know hip hop I, I like it all you know so I can um, um, 
You know, it's funny because Booker, you and I have something in common. Because uh, me too, I'm a low brass guy. I I was marched in drum and bugle corps for for years as a baritone player. And um, wh- what are your feelings? I, we're, we're jumping around a little bit because I just uh, every single time I, I ask a question and you answer something, another three questions come into my brain. So <laughs> well, well, I got you. I, I figured I might as well, you know, get your opinion on this. Can you talk? Can you talk about the effect now um, in our country too? It seems like in schools, the first thing they want to cut is the arts and the music program. As someone, you know, as an athlete, what are your feelings when you hear that that the first things that they want to cut is the music programs? Well, man, I mean, I, I, I totally, uh, you know, I am taken aback. You know, when I do hear stuff like that, uh, I'm, you know, I do a lot of fundraising. Uh, I'm down here working with schools and uh, whatnot. I'll do a show for them that, so they can raise some money for the art department, for the band department. I actually uh, always try to specify those two uh, as for being my main uh, objectives. But um, I, 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 I don't like it at all because music, uh, art is something that I grew up on. Music and art is the reason why I'm here today. Um, all of the characters that you see me play on television is always um, of a you know, some spoof of some show that I've watched once upon a time. Um, just like, can <laughs> you dig it? Sucker was, you know, um, a phrase that was used in a movie called Cotton Comes to Harlem back in the day. You know, uh, Richard Roundtree uh, was a guy who, who said suck a whole lot. You know, um, <laughs> my, my, my mannerisms and my wrestling, you know, pre- um, came from, you know, the Shaw Brothers proje- productions, you know, all of the karate movies, you know, that I watched when I was a kid, you know, um, my style and my rap, you know, was like Muhammad Ali, you know, was you know, fast, you know, flow like a butterfly, steam like a bee, you know, so it was, um, I, 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 I say um, art is, is, is literally a way of life, um, and, and it may um, be um, totally uh, a detriment to that kid that, that finds his way through life through art such as I did. You know, and like like you said, you know, you found your niche when you were wrestling, and um, you know, and people don't realize it's just not you know acting on television. You have to be an unbelievable athlete. You also played football and basketball. If I, if I was reading this correct, um, can you talk about the difference of physicality between the fo- playing football and basketball compared to pro wrestling? Well, actually, uh, I played. You know, I, I played. I didn't actually play organized sports in football. I just played in the neighborhood. But I can um, totally uh, tell you of the difference um, in in the two. um, You know, football players, basketball players, you know, they grew up. um, That's the difference. That's why you got to be a really, really good artist. I I was really mostly off into dance um, when I was coming up. But being a football player, uh, being a basketball player, everything is so structured um, towards um, winning. Um, when, when you're in those sports, uh, if you totally can lose focus, and as far as art goes, everybody wins. Um, and professional wrestling, uh, everybody wins. Uh, I mean, and the thing is, we got to work together, you know, to, to, to make sure we make it to, you know, uh, you know that 21 day loop. You know what I mean? So, it, it, and that's why I say wrestling is more more art than than football, uh, basketball, or baseball, or anything like that. Taking away nothing from any of those sports because those guys really work really really hard and I challenge anybody you know um, to try to you know take that step move into that direction um, because it's going to be really really hard on them. I say don't step into somebody's sport if you really don't know what you're getting into are you uh, when you're not on the road uh, are you a sports fan do you watch uh, sports on television definitely I mean 
I watch um, MMA. I watch a lot of boxing. I'm definitely a huge golf fan. Um, so I'm, you know, pretty much doing a lot of channel surfing right now. Basketball is really hot Miami Heat. You know, just you know, um, the, the, the streak just ended. You know, last night against the Bulls. You know, but I, I'm, a, I'm a huge um, um, sports fan in, in all um, different areas. Uh, you said you watched the game last night. I, I gotta tell you, man. I think the Heat are one of the most. They're they're an amazing. It was an amazing streak, but they they have a lot of holes and they're very beatable. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm an NBA beat writer for, for most of my time, um, but I'll tell you, I they, they have they need to strengthen up their front line. They don't strengthen up their front line. All you have to do is just hit the boards, and, and the Heat are going to struggle. You can slow them down. Well, the one thing um, I think, just like just like last year. They're gonna peak. They're gonna peak at the right time. You know, um, it's still early right now. They're in a great position um, um, to, you know, have home court advantage. So right now, uh, I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. Uh, I think uh, uh, playoff time, uh, it, they're just gonna heat right back up and uh, go on a roll. I think they're gonna win it again. Oh, I, th- I think so too. It's just you know when you see something so cl- so good. Sometimes the uh, you know like it's our job as as writers to, as uh, be, you know people who cover the league is they need them still make things interesting so they of course have to find every little thing that's they can find to definitely I mean look at look at Tom Brady and the Patriots I mean when those guys are winning you know everybody everybody wants to lose <laughs> 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 that's just a way of life I think you know you know what does that mean but I mean I mean people used to pay to come to see them lose you know so uh, that's just I think that's just a way of life. You know, it's funny too. Uh, you know, we were just discussing the NBA, and I've talking with Kevin Nash, and I've talking with Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels is a very big San Antonio Spurs fan, and um, Kevin is a very big Los Angeles Lakers fan. He was windling a little bit the last time we spoke because he liked the Oklahoma City Thunder. Are you a Houston Rocket fan? No. No. Okay. No. You know, it's funny too. You say that. I think James Harden was the right step. You know, getting a guy like him and getting Jeremy Lin, uh, they just need front line help. If they got some front line help, they can make some noise. But then it's after getting those guys, it's keeping those guys. So it's 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 but, it's a mixed match. Yeah, like I say, that, that, that's just Houston. That's, I mean, we'll go and get um, Jeremy Lin um, after we after he's been here, you know, already, and we get rid of him. Then we'll go and pay the money, you know, for him after he go and do something well somewhere else. That that's a mo of. Um, Uh, Houston team going all the way back to Houston Well, Buck, let's talk a little bit about the the WWE product and, of course, your time in WCW. You you entered WWE in 2001, and I was actually in in East Rutherford, New Jersey, when you made your debut at King of the Ring back in 2001. What did you learn from your time in WCW that helped your success in WWE? Um, I don't know um, if I learned anything in WCW that helped 
we make it in WWE. Um, in WCW, um, I was the ultimate, you know, the, the consummate wrestler. Um, I went out and performed in the ring. I went out there a lot of my time until I became heavyweight champ. You know, um, when I was tag team champ with my brother, you know, we made our promos on the way to the ring. Um, of course, we'd get promos every night there, plus the infamous, you know, blooper that I made. <laughs> <laughs> You had some great um, matches through your time with WCW. I recently saw one with uh, Bret the Hitman Hart you had back in that 98-99 time period. And um, you also had some great matches with Chris Benoit. And I don't really want to spend a lot of time on Chris, but the question I had about Chris Benoit, do you think with everything that happened with his tragedy uh, changed uh, the mentality of, of the pro wrestling industry? Meaning that, meaning that you know, um, I'm not like not not the actual tragedy, but the studies they did with with his brain afterwards. You know, they said um, he had the, the brain of an 89 year old Alzheimer's patient, uh, and there was they saying it was a lot of different shots to the head and and, and the abuse that his body went through. Um, do you think um, you know since that time there's been less chair shots? It's been less. Um, it's been more contained and more controlled. Do you think because of the results of the incidents with, with Chris Benoit that the pro wrestling has changed a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it has. Uh, you know, not just pro wrestling, but um, NFL as well. You know, I mean, it changed a whole lot of sports. You know, the guidelines as far as the way they go out and you know handle um, certain situations as far as guys getting hurt and taking them off the, um, the field and keeping them off the field and same way with us now if a guy you know get hurt he take he get um, taken out of the game so it's changed uh, I think the game a whole lot um, from uh, from a good perspective um, uh, I mean our wellness program is something that's totally um, something that I wish that we had um, when we were coming up from so many different ways um, these young guys now that that perform um, they're gonna have a, a whole lot better chance <clears throat> walking away from the game opposed to um, limping out of the game or staying in the game longer than they they should because the doctor is going to tell them, "Hey, um, your time is up. Um, you got to let it go. Um, you can't do that here um, anymore." You know, so um, I think um, it, it's it's helped um, in so many different ways, and I think especially for the young guys that's that's coming up in this business today. And I got to ask you about two two of the funniest things I ever seen in pro wrestling, which you were involved with. One was working with Goldust. <laughs> um, just you guys seem to have this on-screen chemistry, which was uh, unbelievable. And there was one in particular where it was you, Goldust, and The Rock, and Goldust dressed up as The Rock. Can you talk about just the, the relationship you had with Goldust and the comedy that it produced on television? You know, that was um, 
whole different area. And um, so for me, um, I was I was having a, a really good chance to work on my my acting skills. I was, you know, um, getting a chance to work on my improv. You know. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, Buck. I, I don't know if that was you. I don't know if it was me, but I'll, I'll take the blame. <laughs> Broke up. I, I can barely hear you. I said I don't know what happened there, but I'll take the blame. Sorry, man. I, I mean, I didn't touch you today. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I. I was just sort of just sitting here going, "Oh, okay, that died." All right. <laughs> yeah, no, but I was. Uh, I was talking about um, um, I mean, our chemistry was it was great. Our timing was great. Uh, the fans, uh, like I say, uh, in the beginning. I wondered myself how was going to accept this, but like I say, uh, on the other hand, I say, man, this is a great opportunity to uh, really explore uh, my character uh, uh, from a character aspect. So I went out every week and with an open mind, you know. And uh, no matter what goes best, and I would do. I mean, well, one of my favorite ones was uh, in Seven Eleven, you know. What about the uh, the supermarket battle between you and Stone Cold Steve Austin? You know, uh, that, that's another thing, you know, um, I, uh, and people can say what they want to say, but they, they remember that stuff and they remember it forever. Um, my thing um, was always to play things straight, um, as serious as I possibly could make it, even though I've um, you know, been running from Steve Austin for weeks and trying to get away from it, now I think I got his, you know, got his back turned to me in this grocery store. I tell you, that first kid that I, that I whacked in that grocery store that I thought was Stone Cold Steve Austin, I put it on. It <laughs> 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 was just a, a customer, you know. But uh, that was uh, another thing that was magic. Uh, you know, we had one take to do that. You know, uh, you know, the, to create that magic. You know, it wasn't something that we could do over. You know, so Steve and I, we just went into it with the. Uh, You know, you worked with a lot of different talent over the years, and you know you've had a different bunch of bunch of different characters, including the King Booker character. Uh, I, what were some of the, you said you enjoyed the, the skits? Who are some of the guys you really enjoyed working with the most? You know, throughout my career, uh, Chris 
Jericho um, definitely uh, been high on the list. Christian, uh, uh, Edge, uh, you know, uh, I can honestly say all the Canadian guys. I happen to remember a couple times, and I was actually in the building um, back in 2011 when you returned to WWE at the Royal Rumble. Um, I was out there visiting my uh, my cousin, and we got tickets last minute, um, and I, I went, and there was rumblings that you were going to be there, but that night, you, you got the biggest pop uh, of the night. Um, how did that make you feel, hearing that from the fans after your run in TNA and coming back to WWE? So now you're going into the Hall of Fame. Um, must be uh, overwhelming um, and even humbling to a point. Can you talk about the, um, the the experience being back with WWE that's leading into this and looking back at your career? Like, is it is it weird going into the locker room now and, and seeing you know the, with all the experience you have compared to some of these guys that are in the locker room now? You know, they look at you as a Hall of Famer and a guy who sits at the mark. That's how Hall of Famers are, look, are looked at now. Well, you know, I think I still got to keep doing the work, though, first and foremost. You know, I got to keep uh, respecting these young kids as well. They respect me, of course, you know, but it's, it's only, it only goes as far as it's given as well, you know. And uh, my job now is, you know, to you know, uh, mold the young guys, let these guys know what they got to do, you know, on the Fandangos, let them know how to go out there and get over, tell them exactly what I think they need to know and help them as much as I possibly can. That's the that's the true mentor. That's the true um, Hall of Famer. That's the true legend. Uh, the guy that don't mind going out there and giving it back, you know, to the young guys and, you know, passing that torch to these young guys and letting these guys run, you know, run free and um, be happy about it and look at them and, you know, feel, you know, good about having a part and, and you know, making their career special, you know. So that's why I'm at my career right now. I'm, I'm so content um, being where I am. I'm, I, I, I've always thought about retiring. I've always thought about hanging my boots up. I, I thought about that when I was 30 years old. Um, that, that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about getting to the end of, you know, um, you know, my career. I was thinking about, you know, making that final run and, you know, I'm looking back on it and moving to the next stage, the next season of life, you know, and um, now that's why I am. And 
Can you talk about some of the other projects outside of WWE that you're involved with? It was it was a comment that I read from Shawn Michaels somewhere when Shawn Michaels was doing his wrestling school. He said he had a hard time taking students' money, knowing that they weren't going to make it. Um, does that ever come into your mind when you see people come into the wrestling school? You know, like you know, Shawn basically, like I said, made it clear. That, you know, he stopped doing the school because he just didn't have the stomach to do that. Um, does that type of thought ever come into your mind when you see some of these guys come in and they, like you just look at them and say, you know, unless they have an unbelievable work ethic, they're just not going to make it? You know, I was trying to talk kids out of joining my school. <laughs> one of my prime, uh, one of my, you know, prime students, uh, I tried my best to talk about the school. And, you know, when he first came into the school, he was 17 years old. He couldn't even do a role. Spanish kid named Luis. Uh, and then um, I told him, go, you know, come back, you know, in a year. You know, he came back in a year. Um, and, and then he still couldn't do a role. I said, go train for three months and come back and see me again. He, he came back again after three months and he still you know, couldn't do anything. But I, I took him in finally because he said this was his dream. This was something that he wanted to do. And um, about three months later, uh, one, one guy couldn't show up um, to do the show. And I asked Luis, I said, Luis, you know, he's been training for three months. I said, if you can get in the ring and show me something, you know, I'll put you on the show. He got in the ring and he showed me something well enough to get on the show. And he, he hadn't gotten out. He hadn't been taken off the show since. He was my focus. One year, he had learned so much just sitting on the sideline, you know, taking notes, learning, you know, from an outside perspective, you know, getting in the ring, training in secret, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, wow, you know, so my thing is I never judge a book by its cover as well. Um, my thing is, is about the, um, the journey, the camaraderie. 
camaraderie, the friendships that you make along the way, as well as not looking back when you're 50 years old saying, man, I wish I had tried that when I had a chance, whether you make it or not. That's it's so true. And the book, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing for me. And I really appreciate the time you have. If you can just cut a liner, because I host a radio show that's ever on every uh, Sunday morning. It's called Real Sports Talk Radio. And if you can just do a liner saying, you know, this is Booker T. Uh, you're listening to Real Sports Talk Radio. That was almost perfect, but it's real sports talk radio. Real sports talk radio, my man. Oh, but, 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 but that was awesome, though. <laughs> real sports talk radio. Here we go. Three, two. Hi, this is Booker T, five-time WCW champion, and you're listening to Real Sports Talk Radio. Now can you dig that, sucker? Booker, that was awesome.